0: Welcome to the Highlander cast. We are the official podcast of the 7-Point Highlander format. I'm your first host, Saav. With me, as usual, is Vance. Hello. And we have a special guest star today. We have Ben Newman. Hey, hey, how's it going? Now, uh, today's episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about um, kind of an informal discussion on uh, the history and evolution of maybe the last 10 years-ish of Highlander. It will add a little bit to our History of Highlander series. Um, You can catch them on some of the previous episodes. Uh, But specifically, we've invited Ben on for this episode because he's been doing a mammoth amount of work in terms of data collation, trawling, dredging, and just pulling up things that were absolutely lost to time. Really, really amazing work, Ben. uh, Could you just tell us a little bit about um, yourself, uh, why you're why you're doing this, why you're doing this voluntary, passionate work, um, and maybe a little bit about your Highlander experience.
1: Sure thing. Um, so I started playing uh, Highlander after moving out of 4 of formats. Um, the mm-hmm. most fun I've been having with Magic was uh, building cubes. I still haven't actually drafted one of them, but <laughs> I had moved out of 4 formats and um, to be honest, after I used to be big into modern, played Scape Shift and Eldrazi Winter, sort of killed the format locally a bit. So I wasn't playing <clears throat> four formats anymore. So I was like, all right, I'm going to sell three copies of everything and move into Cube. So I was like, I've got yeah. all these Singleton's. I'll check out this Highlander. I'd seen it before um, while playing some leagues in Melbourne. This would have been well, probably 2013-14. It was Kurganish era, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So I got into the format. Then, which was uh, early 2018 I think so my first event was one at Jimbo's store uh, just after Treasure Cruise went to 2 mm-hmm. um, and yeah been in love ever since it's probably easily the most fun I've had playing competitive magic and um, but I really had no idea what the actual like what the history of the format looked like what were people playing before because obviously oh, I started playing just after Treasure Cruise went to 2 so I was like okay the format looks like a lot of Kess in Melbourne <laughs> mm-hmm. so I was like okay <laughs> What is the format? What did it used to look like? Sort of thing. Uh, And at the time, there were sort of a few different places you could look for that kind of info, but not a ton. And after um, things had moved to the 7PH website, it was like, okay, things are sort of a bit scattered. Um, So originally, Mm -hmm. I wasn't even planning on putting the history document together. I'd put the lists from the last three years onto Moxfield, um, because we like them because they recognize us. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But the document mostly started as a um, a sort of a hub that you could direct new players to that they could control f their way through to find out what all the deck nicknames meant <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> biggest barrier to entry is its kind
0: of figuring out what is mr toads wild ride like what is what is this you know just some yeah. nonsense name and <laughs> so it had a
1: few discussions uh, or a few, i mostly um, lurk the discord um, and we had a few conversations where someone was like, okay, why is it called Rug Lord? Why is it called, I think um, the Brisbane players had just uh, had some good results with that Jeskai control with the breach package. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, so I jumped into a conversation and someone was like, oh, that's probably pretty good in Slush Puppy. I was like, my God, <laughs> what deck is Slush Puppy? I spent all day thinking about this format and I've never heard of it. I think it was similar a couple of years ago with um, some Americans who jumped into the server and were like, oh, guys, your format's awesome. We love playing bourbon and coke. And we were like, <laughs> what's bourbon and coke? They were like, oh, this video on this YouTube channel. And so it was like, okay, maybe a place that would have all of these sorts of things on them would be useful.
0: Yeah, that's that's it. Helping navigate for new players. It is absolutely one of those big barriers of entry of just kind of going, uh, you feel like you're not really necessarily in the loop, which is which is uh, you know, not necessarily inviting, but sometimes once people learn the, the lingo, then they go, oh, I feel like I'm part of that in crowd. It becomes a meme. But that barrier is really
2: important to, to break down. It's not just for new players. Like, Half the time someone references Bourbon and Coke, I'm like, oh my God, what deck is this? Like? I know it has <laughs> to do with some Bourbon, and I'm pretty sure it was like Drew or someone from Adelaide, but that is all the information I've retained about this deck name.
0: If anyone uh, doesn't know that story, long story short, the spoiler is that Beckett spilt bourbon and coke all over Drew's Jeskai control deck, uh, his um, Miracles deck. And we we were like, that's all right, we'll wipe it off because it's um, it's double sleeved. And Drew just looked us like straight in the eyes and just said, it's not double sleeved. And they're just <laughs> going like <laughs> taking out his volcanic island and just like you know all these unlimited jewels and like patting them down with tissue paper. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Always double <laughs> slips every time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that is thug life.
1: But yeah, I was more and more feeling the same way. Where, like Van said, like I'm, you know, I'm enfranchised at this point, and mm-hmm. I'm like, what is slush puppy? Why? <laughs> what lords is rug lord playing? i think even like recently All the elf lords <laughs> that'd be the one uh i think even recently with your explorations into blue green tempo shells um you put up hootie in the Bantfish fish with no hootie in it it's like <laughs> what are people gonna like these sorts of things are really good for us uh or like you know people love their deck nicknames i'm sure like you know uh, what is it big roddy's ripping ribshack as tainted pile or whatever it is but it's like okay are these are uh, these are good and fun i'm put sort of at the point in my life where i think i'm starting to really enjoy the soulless nicknames that are just descriptive and not at all fun <laughs> <laughs> but it's easy to respect that people like people love those nicknames it's like okay like if we get if we're sticking with nicknames that for decks that don't mean anything <laughs> maybe there should be a list somewhere
2: yeah, the the worst is when someone describes a deck by a nickname. And they say, "Oh, you know, this is uh, Eldrazi and Friends and Friends." And you're like, "Okay, what is that?" And they're like, "Oh, it's like Sneak and Show." And you're like, "Look, that has explained two cards." <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> I certainly felt that way uh, I... about Baubles and Coke. It's like, "Oh, it's bourbon and Coke <laughs> with baubles in it." You're like, "Yeah,
0: keep going." <laughs> how far how far down the ra- the rabbit hole are we gonna go? <laughs>
1: you know. And then, so once I had that list, um, I was like, okay, so I have all the decks and what their nicknames are. Like, you know, Blue Black Brandos was one other one that's, you know, Blue Black Delver or -er. Delver-er. And so once I was like, okay, maybe I'll have like a little description of them. And I was like, well, I had these three years worth of top eights, so I'll just put those on and then I can like hyperlink them across and then put them under the deck. So when you scroll down to the deck, it goes, you know, Blue Black Brandos, or Blue Black Delver, also known as you know blue black brandos and then it'll have the three top eights or four top eights i think it has and then i was like okay maybe we should expand that just a little bit and then it went a little more than a little bit yeah yeah that's
0: what that's what i was gonna say you know because this this document's going back to what 2011 2012 some it's it's a long time so obviously this is a labor of love for you
1: yeah it's definitely um i enjoyed it a lot more than i thought i would but um a lot of the hard work had already been done fortunately because i think the hard part of transcribing deck lists is the part where you need um a magnifying glass to interpret the average magic player's handwriting <laughs> but yeah most of these had been online already uh which I, I really didn't know where to look so um oh a huge thanks to graham who uh directed me in the right place for a few um of those really old ones so everything mm-hmm. from before 2014 is um or Graham, who found them, it's a big and they're nice thing. all hard
0: copies, like scans or or pictures uh, of. No, these
1: of were um, and... the Wayback Machine uh, to get to old forums. I wow. think Graham has a staggering number of old physical deck lists, but I didn't want to make <laughs> him get any of them out. Yeah, well,
0: where does he keep them? Or is going to have them stacked up somewhere? Fire hazard somewhere? <laughs> it's
2: Ten years worth of data. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a couple of other people who, who've got probably similar uh, stashes like um, Saunders has probably got some very old ones. Um, But yeah, there's some fascinating stuff. And look, not having to go through handwriting is good because um, I mean, I know I try and print my deck lists out where possible um, because otherwise uh, uh, the judges just, you know, give me game losses out of a matter of habit essentially (laughs) Um, because my handwriting is terrible. Um, did you come across any really just indecipherable cards?
1: There were a few, couple um, I think it was mostly out of There was one elves list that got posted uh, oh, yeah. And the, whichever TO transcribed the list uh, Had I think given up on trying to guess <laughs> what the cards were And just wrote it <laughs> verbatim um, So there was a few that we managed to work out like um, There was one that could only be thermocast From the sort of jumble of messages Of uh, letters yeah. they'd put <laughs> um, The big one that had us stumped For a little while was Schumbard gust Which we were Pretty sure had to be fracturing gust Just by virtue of there being so few gusts In magic But it's like how do you get Schumbard out of fracturing
2: <laughs> Oh that's great um, uh, Depending when it was The person translating it could have been me <laughs> Yeah um, <laughs> The big struggle for the digital
1: deck lists was, um, uh, the way Moxfield. So when you create a deck on Moxfield, there's an option to create it from clipboard Mm -hmm. uh, where you can just paste the raw text in, which is a godsend. Um, but that feature doesn't like typos very much. So you'll paste someone's 75 in. Um, Mm -hmm. and if a couple of them are spelt wrong, it'll give you a 15 card sideboard and a 58 card main deck. Oh no. Um, but fortunately, you can then, um, with one of the other features, you can paste the deck list in to the maybe board. And then when you try and save it, if there's typos in the maybe board, it'll throw you up uh, an error and tell you which lines the error is on. Oh, that is oh, clever. Nice. That is
0: clever. Because <laughs> otherwise, unless you knew which, which cards are most commonly misspelt, you're going to be trawling through 58 cards.
1: Yeah. And it was it was really handy as well. For um, There's some ways you could input. Points that it doesn't like. It doesn't like asterisks very much. um yep. So, for some of the ones where people denoted their points with asterisks instead of pluses or pluses but with no space between them, it would do the same thing. It would just delete that line from the original and you'd get a, a smaller main deck. <laughs>
2: it's like, oh, this zoo deck is playing zero points. That's interesting. <laughs> zero points.
0: And- and, uh, oh, and oh, no, moxen. Moxen. No, no moxen and 57 <laughs> cards
1: just going for that
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. sometimes um, not that easy I assume that there were some number of cards that were pretty commonly commonly misspelled
1: so, yeah certainly, the big ones um, particularly in the early years was almost every list with an Elspeth Knight Errant would be Elspeth Knight Errant with just a space rather than a hyphen not mm, sure why they yep. gave that card a hyphen probably to irk Teos
2: <laughs> i think I think the word knight errant does have a hyphen oh, you okay. know it's, it's uh,
0: oldie. making it a single noun is it
2: yeah yeah
1: but yeah almost every uh instance of elspeth knight errant would be uh wrong so you put a list or like you know some zoo, zoo deck and it goes 59, 59 cards you go okay it's probably elspeth <laughs> it was the same situation with Vendillion click which I've done all the time even just being a magic player in current year. Is every time I type Vendilion Click into a thing, I'm like, uh, is this one L or two? And just always guess wrong. Wait, which <laughs> one is it? Uh, it? It is one L.
0: Really? But I would always type it in. Is it the same it number of L's as Dandelion?
1: Oh, I'm cu- I didn't know there would be a test.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking because there's, there's, there's like a debate, and you know, it's 90% of people say Vendilion Click like vermilion, and then 10% of people say Vendilion Click. Or clique uh, As okay. in dandelion uh, And I'm yeah. honestly not sure which one is correct Because it's a fictitious word But if, if it's a single L Then maybe it's emulating dandelion
1: Don't know, who D- knows Vendee but... and Jitte argument yeah. <laughs> But yeah, fortunately there weren't too many That um, people had uh, failed to uh, spell correctly there was a couple, I think people evidently used to sideboard Thada Adele Acquisitor and I oh. never had to spell Acquisitor in my life <laughs> outside of magic uh, but there is a C in there uh, which was often left out
0: uh, That's funny I'm, I'm actually trying to think of the last time I've ever played Thada Adele probably some kind of commander deck at some point Probably.
1: it seems like one of those things that um, was a symptom of skull clamp uh, um, being a being a big thing
0: Oh my goodness that would be a great great tech in you know 2014 or whatever whatever year that that would have been popular in
1: Probably another one that mm. probably came up more than I thought it would was people deliberately misspelling things uh, as a gag Oh no um, I had a force of Wilkes. In a decklist um, of a player <laughs> with the surname Wilks, uh, there was a couple. There was a couple of others I've forgotten. I remember Tony Abbott of Corel Keep, um, probably topical at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Date
0: dated reference now.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, that would, probably would have been from 2014 or 15. Um, Somewhere around. Or yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I know that
0: um, I know that we were going to do a what's the point today. Um, but I'm, I'm more than happy to leap into talking about some of these cards. It just depends on whether you'd like to do a what's-the-point.
1: That's all right. Uh, be good to tick it off the bucket list, being a what's-the-point right. segment.
0: You're, you're here. So how about we talk about Mana Crypt. So for anyone who hasn't played Mana Crypt before, it's a zero mana artifact that taps for two colorless mana. Uh, and it has a downside of in your upkeep, you flip a coin, and if you lose the flip, you take three damage. Uh, so,
2: what's the point here, Vance? It's a two-point card. So two mana for free is obviously pretty good. Like, um, also, there's a decent chance we've done this before. In which case, well, we're doing it again. But anyway, it's inevitable. Two mana for free. Is, <laughs> yeah, two mana for free is very good. Um, you know, some of the most easily pointed cards from the committee's point of view are the super fast mana, so you know, your Moxes, Soul Ring, Mana Crypt, Mana Vault, these kind of cards, which just give you free mana at no or minimal cost. um, And generally at no drawback. This is the only one with a drawback, um, because you take approximately one and a half damage a turn. Um, But in exchange for that, what you get is you get to cast blood moon on turn one or uh you know a a four mana planeswalker on turn two like this is incredibly is an incredibly powerful effect you are multiple turns ahead of your opponent um immediately and in a lot of matchups for a lot of decks the damage is not super relevant so um Like, if you're a Goblin's sort of deck, the fact that you can just go, turn one, Goblin, Rabble, Master, sure, seven turns from now, you might have bolted yourself out of the game, but there's not going to be seven more turns in this game. (laughs) Like, you're so far ahead of your opponent that, you know, either they've got to deal with all of your stuff super early, or they're going to die. And, yeah, if they do deal with all your stuff, you might die, but if they deal with all your stuff, you're probably dead anyway, right? Like... So that's why it's points. I can attest now, to the th- fact
0: that if someone's on the receiving end of a, um, a an artifact rampy deck and their turn their turn one opening is uh, let's say ancient tomb monocrypt or even just any old land monocrypt literally any land monocrypt versus an alternative opening which is like buried ruin go or something like that the two games feel completely different the, the former game is so you are so far behind and I'm pretty sure that uh, playing against Michael Hearns any, any one of his variants of artifact decks I, I am like uh, always you know playing this really interesting game a lot of back and forth and then you play the next game and he opens with Monocrypt and I don't think I've ever beaten him when he had Minocrypt turn 1
2: ever <laughs> yeah so i mean to, to compare it to some other quite powerful possible openings mana crypt is miles better if your deck is built to manage it but we're going to assume that if you're paying two points you probably made some choices hopefully um it's miles better than you know land bird of paradise or land death shaman um you are so much further ahead than that. And we all know from playing against, you know, bird elf kind of games that the person with a bird is a long way ahead if nothing else happens. Like, it's a big speed boost. Mana Crypt is a much bigger speed boost that turns on immediately rather than having to wait a turn uh, and doesn't cost you your starting mana. So you, you gain a lot of mana. The discussion that we've been having a bunch with people recently is there have been some people um, who've come across from formats like, well, primarily Canadian Highlander, where um, I believe Monocrypt is pointed higher than Sol Ring there, or the same. I can't remember which. So, whereas for us, obviously, well, uh is at 2 and Sol Ring is at 3. There's a decent chance that this is not correct. It's possible they both should be 3, or that... I don't think there's any reasonable chance that Sol Ring should be 2. Because um, Sol Ring is really good. Um, but the thing that you have to do when you're balancing a points list is you've got to look at sort of the raw sort of like the platonic ideal of points for a card Um, but as well as that you've got to look at is it hurting the metagame right now uh is it likely to be hurting it badly in the future and when you and you've also got to spend some time thinking about sort of packages of points that you might spend and whether they as a group are about right and I would suggest that Sol Ring plus Mana Crypt at 5 at the moment is about right for the format. Because the Artifact decks do have some sort of structural problems at the moment. A lot of their cards are points because none of them are quite... Like things like misha's Workshop, you couldn't really make free. Well, you mm-hmm. could. We've done it before, but it was probably a mistake. <laughs> but um, you don't want. I don't think at the moment that there's any need to add points to those decks. Because a lot of hate cards have been printed that... Uh, mess up artifacts pretty badly. You know, you've got your collector roofs and your every set contains a shatter. Um, <laughs> force of vigor and yeah, so, yeah, so many and inevitably things. inevitably, some change. of them are really good. Mm-hmm. Like, inevitably, some of them are. They will periodically print one and are like, oh, that's the new best or second or third best. And so everyone's artifact removal options get slightly better. Um, so, yeah. The long and the short of it is, I think Mana Crypt is an incredibly powerful card. Um, You could easily justify it being three points. There is no possible way you can justify it being one point. Um, But I think the way the meta is at the moment, at two points, it's about right. Um, And actually, it would be really interesting uh, to look at what it's been like over time, which uh, Ben might be able to help us with.
0: Yeah, I'm keen to know um, what,
2: what your thoughts
0: are, Ben, especially having seen kind of the evolution of, of the metagame over the last 10 years.
1: I think it's definitely um, a downturn of artifacts. is not a, uh, mm. It's a fairly clear um, result of, I guess, everything you mentioned, like all these answers keep getting printed. I don't think we ever thought that we'd get a creature that's a null rod or <laughs> a force that blew yeah. things up. I think... Um, <laughs> Mana Crypt is really good on turn one, but not so good when it's a 3-3 Elk. <laughs> yeah, um, that's really true. I've been playing Crypt a bit. I've been playing um, uh, Brandon Owen's WUD style deck a bit on webcam recently. and um,
2: so, so that's White Mud, right? Yeah, the
1: White Mud sort of. It's, it's like a Highlander version of vintage White Eldrazi, almost. Mm-hmm. You lose yeah. like the Mimics or you lose a lot of the Eldrazi just by virtue of only having like Displacer... Um, like none of the good ones.
2: Yeah, yeah. But
1: the turn, like the the like the few hands in like a hundred games where you get turn one, land crypt Thalia Heretic Cathar, or land Ooh. crypt uh, Archon of Emiria as a new one. Um, nice. Yeah. If those don't die, <laughs> you like how do you, how do you come back from your turn one fetch land coming into play tapped? Like it's just mm. over. Although the, getting things to resolve and stick around these days is harder than I think it probably was for a lot of these old deck lists. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: I think the other point with Mana um, which we kind of glossed over, is... And, and this is where there is a decent argument to put it to 3. Like Again, I don't think we should do it right now because I don't think it's necessary, but in the past, the reason for it being 2 and Sol Ring being 3 was that Games on average went for longer. Both the median turn turn of every game was more like four or five than three or four, um, and there were a lot more games that went for turn to turn, you know, fifteen than there are now. Um, the format is faster and more powerful, and that does make mana more, more powerful. Because as I was saying before, when I was talking about goblins, like if the game is going to end before turn seven, no matter what, anyway then it's very difficult to kill yourself with Martin creep. You can put yourself low enough that uh, particularly against highly aggressive decks like um, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Seuss aka Blue Redfish or Sprowess aka Prowess um, like you can't afford to take 6 damage on turn between turns 1 and 4 because that's more than enough for them to just go alright bolt you bolt you time walk smash smash um, or whatever's happening like
1: and it really starts to there add up There are decks like that can definitely punish
2: you really badly. Sorry, Ben.
1: Oh, that really starts to add up with Phyrexian mana spells as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Life yeah, shuttle is definitely more to... of a commodity. Yeah. That is, um, I think, the point of Mana Crypt. So hopefully uh, that answered some of the questions people have been asking and some of the discussion people have been having. Um, always happy to talk about it more in the Discord, which we'll have in the doobly-doo and mention again at the end. Um, but let's go back to talking about uh, some history. Yeah,
0: so I mean, this is, this is pretty topical uh, where we lead from Monocrypt through to the evolution of decks. Um, f- ben, from your observations, seeing this kind of uh, change in the top tier or the best decks or the most popular decks is probably more accurate when you're looking at uh, a small format like this. The most popular decks have kind of moved away from um, aggro decks and tinker and time vault decks. Uh, Is that the case?
1: Yeah, it's um, definitely interesting because I hadn't seen most of these deck lists or even heard of them before sort of thing. So the first, uh, like you mentioned, the first um, sort of slew of uh, event results uh, on the Google Doc um, is all 2011. Uh, And I think almost all of them, if not all of them, um, are based in Melbourne but with interstaters. Uh, and so you can see a lot more of black white aggro, um, particularly in 2011, than I would have expected, um, having played the format for a while and never seen nor heard of black white aggro. Uh, which I think, um, yeah, includes um, such format all stars as Saltari Monk and Saltari Priest. As two ones (laughs) with shadow. Uh, So I asked around a bit, and I think one of the good things about putting this document together for me has been um, just asking people, like, what's going on with this black-white aggro deck? And then being told, okay, it was a Dan Unwin deck, so people were playing it uh, Mm because he was winning with it sort of thing.
2: (laughs) There's a common trend you'll find um, in a lot of early Highlander, particularly in Melbourne, um, where... The format will be sort of set in its ways and then Dan and or Dan and Jeremy Neiman or sometimes Isaac will come at it from a different angle and just smash people into powder and then six months later the format will be whatever that deck was and they'll come in at another different angle (laughs) Um, And you can sort of see those
1: trends I think as the sort of um, although i have regrettably missing a lot um, a few so there's only one event from 2012 on here uh oh, there's right. only two from 2014 and two from 2015 as well um so if anyone's listening and has some of those majors and they're not on the document by all means please get in touch because i'd love to fill them out
2: and, and when we say majors basically we mean any event with more than sort of 20 or 30 people that had people from multiple states yeah yeah the
1: um the yeah. dream was uh i shouldn't use yeah i shouldn't use the term major because it, it doesn't really apply but um Anything that people travelled to attend is generally the um the go. Some of these I tried not to use things like prize pool. Um, for example, the final Highlander at Metagames, I think had a Lotus for first and a Jet for second, and that's twenty eleven. <laughs> so, like, and that was only fifty players. So the GP Melbourne was what ninety eight players for so that was GP Melbourne twenty eighteen, and I don't know what was on the prize wall, but it sure wasn't a black Lotus. <laughs> no,
2: no, <laughs> exactly. No. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure JP won that event on Storm, the metagames one.
1: He certainly did. Um, yeah. And that was one of those ones where um, I think it, so it was mostly representative of probably the Melbourne metagame, yep. but um, with some. I think this one was Canberra people for the 2011 ones.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And what you'll find prior to about 2015 or 16. Interstate travellers to play Highlander were nearly 100% Melbourne people going to Canberra or vice versa. Um, You had a few exceptions. I think we did get... um, We probably got some of the Adelaide people playing at some of the GPs. Um, And you had the occasional uh, Sydney person like uh, Juzza and uh, Jess Estefan um, and people like that would play sometimes. Yeah, generally speaking, Melbourne were like 90% of the metagame. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: limited to that sort of neck of the woods. And I guess... So that was... Uh, Going back further, that was the two metas that merged to form the points list, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah. So um, going back to 2005 or 2006, so for years uh, at Nationals, Dave Lowe every year would run a Highlander event. Uh, And because Canberra and Melbourne had separate lists, so it had started in Canberra in, what is it, 97, I think we started... Um, and then it got sort of migrated down to Melbourne in 2001 or 2002. Um, and so there was a period of years where we had separate lists and Dave Lowe's method of merging those lists was just to sort of mash them angrily together. Um, he would just be like, all right, I'm just going to average these lists together. And whatever the points are is what the points are for this event. Um, Look a girl. <laughs> <laughs> it led to some pretty weird points lists. I'm pretty, uh, yeah. Um, because in, in Melbourne, it was um, Isaac for a fair while. And before that, it was um, uh, Hattie. We were sort of the keepers of the points lists. Um, and in Canberra, it was um, Merlin Evans and, and Chook for a while. And then Glenn sort of took over. And then uh, Anatoly Lightfoot and some people um, worked with him to refine it. And yeah, at some point, people were like, why don't we just... Instead of having Dave do this at essentially random, why don't we get together and merge these lists? And yeah. Um,
1: yeah there's an interesting old forum post um, that showed up in one of the forums between Darkfoot and Monkey Wrenched85, which I think yep. uh, he was saying that was Anatoly and Dan. Yeah. yeah. And it's some. Um, so it was totally commenting on a post that Dan had made of, here's the new list, here's why everything is how many points it is. Yeah. Uh, so this one still has Sol Ring at 3 and Crypt at 2 um, yeah. interesting uh, mm. throwback But um, so it's all these sort of old Wayback Machine forum posts which is where most of uh, that and the hearsay off of people like Vance and um, Anatolian and stuff who have been around that long is where uh, I certainly got most of my information before I was like okay I need to sort of dig a bit and put some of this in a thing yeah <laughs>
2: It's really good um, because it also means that when uh, our fallible human memories falter, people can go, "Well, it turns out." Um, mm-hmm. I, I would, I would estimate that probably on the first merged list, Mana Crypt was two and Sol Ring was three. Uh, I don't, I don't think either of them has ever shifted.
1: Yeah, so Sol Ring is three in between Memory Jar and Survival of the Fittest. <laughs> and ManaCrypt is two between mind twist and imperial seal. Well,
0: some of those are still rough. Yeah, yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> some of these It's really
0: it's really great to uh to uh be putting pen to paper and having your document uh you know storing this information and likewise a podcast in the history of Highlander all of these episodes is is storing so much information because as you've seen some of the names that get mentioned are not either on the committee or prominent community members once someone moves on and just goes oh, I'm not really into magic anymore a lot of this information just disappears and uh, this is so interesting to hear
1: and you can see a lot of that in this sort of um, so the format I have the sort of top eights chronicled in. It's only top eights as well which is kind of um, I didn't mean for it to be a complete record more of a like a flared like you know taste of what the format would have been like it whatever period, which is why I've still only got the top eight for GP Melbourne, despite there being a, what, like, 16-player tiebreakers for those last two top eights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah. Yep. Um, I remember that. Yeah, some of these events, uh, like GP Sydney 2013 was 13 players, but I still just got the top eight. And, yep. like, mm-hmm. these sorts of things. But some of these names, I'm like, oh, this, like, this person has all these results and I've never heard of them. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess that's just the way that hobbies work.
2: Yeah. Yep. Who, the who's the person who had the if you know it offhand, had the most results who you don't know
1: of. Oh, uh, I don't know of. Um, so I was counted them up and I think, so I haven't counted the ones who I don't know. Um, mostly I think just through virtue of having met people along the grapevine or people who are still current. Yeah. So, um, Lachlan, Wood Smith and Isaac, I think had the most, uh, there were the names that showed up the most on him.
0: Yeah, that mean, yeah. That's out. not surprising at all. <laughs> yep. uh, and yeah, they're,
1: cause they're still in the game. Um, I know Jess Horrig through Netrunner, um, yep. but that name shows up a bunch and then just disappears. Um, yep. And there's a few like that. So, this Mono Blue Tinker deck by Ray Barker shows up all the time, and I haven't heard oh, Ray wow. Barker mentioned. Um, apologies oh, if yeah. you have been mentioned and I just haven't heard.
2: No, I mean, Ray hasn't played much for a while, um, but yeah, used to be um, big in the. Melbourne scene used to be one of those people who would sort of turn up at metagames when Isaac opened and leave when uh, yeah. the last draft was done, which was sometimes <laughs> like 3 a.m. Um, or later. If I had
1: to guess, <laughs> I would say on average, result to doesn't play anymore, it would probably have to be Carl Air.
0: Yeah, I was expecting uh, that yeah, name. yeah. Yep. Um, that was pretty good. That's, that's what I noticed when I was looking in, in forums when I was starting playing Highlander in 2014. I was looking, oh, what, what should I play? What should I play? And I obviously decided to play Junk. But that was mainly because it had a good, you know, a favourable Zoo matchup. Because I saw all of these top results for Zoo. There's going to be this, you know, Zoo, Zoo splashing black, you know, Zoo splashing blue, Tribal Flame Zoo. All of these zoos and it just always had Carl Air, That name just right next to it and I was like, "Oh, I hope I never face face uh Carl because <laughs> I so feel I'd like met he's Carl,
1: ready uh to play a legacy league um back oh, in probably right. 20 oh, 15 maybe. Um and we played the Adnozeum Tendrils versus Blue Red Delver matchup. It would have been 2014 because this was Treasure Cruise. Mm, um, what a time. Uh, and, yeah, so I hadn't played Highlander at all at that point in time. And then once I showed up, people were talking uh, either fondly or with, you know, shaking heads about the Melbourne era of Zoo where Carl would show up <laughs> and take take first and someone else would get top eight with the same deck list and all these sorts of um, the Zoo period of Highlander.
0: It's interesting that Zoo is still very, very much beloved, even though it doesn't put up the results that it once did. I'm not saying it's bad, but in the past, it was the deck to beat. It was just first place, just continuously. You know, this is talking eight, eight plus years ago. Um, but people still love it. People still just really love animals in white, green and red.
2: I think it's a perfect example of... Um, this is. Chat that Ben and I were having when we were doing a sound test um, before we started recording. I think um, that one of the things about Highlander is sometimes a deck will vanish not because it stopped being good, but just because no one in particular is playing it at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think Zoo is probably in that category where it's not as good as it used to be. Um, you know, all of your three and four drop mid-range monstrosities, monstrosities that Wizards has been printing in the last two years have not been great for it yeah. <laughs> Crypt is probably but also a good it's example
1: the... as far as people are going why is Crypt 2 and not 3 like Sol Ring but where are all the Crypt yeah. decks just people aren't yeah. playing them or They're just all yeah. in what's Adelaide. the story are they all in Adelaide is <laughs> this yeah. so... why Drew's talking about sideboarding Khan the Great Creator
2: <laughs> yes <laughs> yep <laughs> it's that level <laughs> and, and it does definitely happen like Highlander is growing and we're starting to see um, people from more states and more countries playing. Like the webcam events have, in some ways, been a real blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was watching uh, Jimbo streaming um, the other night, one of the, I think it was just one of the weekly ones um, or fortnightly ones. And we had uh, a player who was in Finland. We had at least one player who was in the US. Um, and we had a couple of people wandering to the chat from you know germany and canada and whatever um who we directed off to the discord but yeah like it's really positive but you do sometimes get things where you look at a set of decklist results and you're like is this you know nine people out of 16 are on rug life in mm. this event is it because that deck is way better than I think it is? Mm-hmm. Is it because no one here is playing it that I haven't noticed it? Or is it just that everyone in Adelaide loves it and so it's half the event? I And sometimes it can be quite hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why sometimes when you get people making these sort of uh, a priori, from God statements about X is the best deck, and you're like, well... Mm-hmm. But is it, though? Like, Even and- when there were big events, the biggest event we've ever had is 98 players, um, which is enough to give you... a uh, well, it was five rounds and 98 players, which is enough to give you some shake-up that will tend to bubble the best decks to the top, but it's not like we've ever had a yeah. 2,000-person Highlander GP or something. It's Being still GP very Melbourne much with four Yes, <laughs> Yeah. Ah, yeah.
0: Kespile. Uh, <laughs> the the... The um the update the new the new Kurgan the the Kespal was the Kurgan i.e. the main villain the big bad of twenty seventeen. I can't even remember
2: oh, oh, it's it's just, so that's a question that I had to ask salt eye control oh, so yeah. it,
1: it started as bug control and then yeah. they splashed white I think because so yeah, when I asked right. Kurgan the answer I got was that Kurgan was four color no red control yeah uh but it was on my um list of decks that disappeared. Um, I can't imagine mm. sleeving up, uh, like if you would take like a bug control, a typical bug control list of today, and go, why would I want a fourth color right now? What do I get mm. out yeah, of white? Well, so you want a fourth stuff. color, but you're dead red, right? That's just the way the printings exactly. have gone.
0: Exactly, exactly. Well,
2: right. uh, I don't know. I can think of reasons to add
0: white. Um, the main reasons to add white these days are monastery mentor, Savin's reclamation, balance. You know, these very like just very common. Time teferi teferi is level. good. Exactly. If you're having like, trouble with aura, like you could sort it. Haymakers, yeah. so yeah reasons yeah, yeah. reasons it just depends on whether they improve your bad matchups or not but yeah the kurgan the kurgan was definitely the talk of the town um, early on in this period uh, you know this is looking at pre Dak Faden era like pre uh, 2014 2014 ish it was um, obviously named after the kurgan from the Highlander as in the, the big villain because it was at the time the best deck like it, it was, was the just yeah. it was the villain of the format um, Yeah. But yeah, it has seen, it did see some evolutions, but it's fundamentally a bug shell that's um, a very, very hard control deck. And the thing is, nowadays, hard control is just, you, you, you saw it with Kesspile. Kesspile was not a hard control deck, it was like a mid range control deck. You were just able to randomly mid range out your opponent by just gaining value, just grinding away with these, you know, these um, well, and- value oriented spells that uh, also occasionally pressured the board
2: too and the bolt snapcaster the the bolt type plays. The problem, the problem with being hard control these days is, I mean, a, as you say, there's all these value options, but also they're all kind of far too often, even if you are intending to take the control strat, you're just like, oh, but I could just play Oko on turn two. That <laughs> yeah. seems okay. Solves all um, your problems.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> it slices everything.
1: Oh,
0: I hate that card. Yeah, hard, hard control is, um, it's hard to play. It's it, it's. It, the best control decks at the moment are control with a combo finish or control with a tempo theme um, or, you know, control mid-range hybrid, just good stuff decks. They, they tend to be the best control decks, but it doesn't mean you can't win with hard control. There's there's ways to do it. Um, it's just a bit more of an uphill battle. It's This is a Tarmogoyf Spell Pierce format at the moment. Might change. So what is Oh Go on. I was saying It might might change in the future, but uh, not to dissuade people from sleeving up hard control, just keep in mind you've got to be able to tussle with a Goyf and a Spell Pierce.
2: Yeah. What are some of the decks that showed up a lot um, in the past that don't show up as often these days?
1: Not as often these days. Uh, we mentioned Black White Aggro at the start. Yep. Um, some of these Zoo decks, so the Carl uh, era of Zoo, um, these decks were listed online and flagged as Fast Zoo. Um, as a zoo expert could you fill me in is there a difference between fast zoo and zoo
2: so um, I personally hated those deck lists um, (laughs) because I thought that they were not fast and they were barely zoo Um, (laughs) because they spent they were basically like green white shells splashing red Um, it checks out there's seven
1: red cards in this deck
2: and, and the like The the thing that made me disagree with the notion that they were fast zoo is their removal was like um, journey to nowhere, Mm. and they had like lightning bolt as the only burn spell main with a lightning helix in the sideboard, which I will still contest. You is complete madness given the cards available to them at the time, but they did very well with them. So, um, and part of the reason for the things like journey to nowhere is it was a very like particularly in Melbourne there were a lot of people you know putting giant robots into play. Um, mm-hmm. and burning uh dark steel colossus for three is not very effective. <laughs> um, but you can actually have zoo that is not what I would call fast zoo. Um, so the the zoo deck lists that uh Barb has been doing well with in some of the recent webcam tournaments, mm-hmm. possibly other people, but I, I know Barb from Adelaide has uh, <clears throat> it's more of a. It's more in the aggro control zoo realm where it's like it's got some counter spells and tribal flames, and it's trying to, it's happy with the game to go a bit longer because it's got a lot more options. Um, whereas the kind of zoo list that you would probably have found my name against in some of those top eights, um, if you've got some of the old Cancon ones, are just creatures and burn spells, and very little else is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, which is what I would call fast zoo, but you know. Yeah. But- May you can also have, like, Chunky Zoo lists. Chunky Zoo? This is weird zoo, terminology. I think Chunky Zoo is the name of a deck that uh, Brian Kibler played at the Pro Tour. Oh, okay. Um, which is, like, it's kind of... It's got some of your Kurt uh, AP kind of cards, but then it's also playing, like, I think he might have been playing some number of Baneslayer Angel. Oh,
1: wow. Jeez, I was going to ask if this was the the think... Awakener Armadillo Cloak deck. No, that, that, <laughs> that, that, that's an older that, deck. That'd be I real big. Like,
0: I was just thinking like Brimaz, you know? Okay, this is my biggest threat. Look at this three <laughs> drop that's got four toughness. How <laughs> chunky, you know?
2: No, no. no. So I think he had, um, if, I'm, if I'm thinking of the right deck, uh, there was some like um, Noble Hierarchs mm-hmm. and stuff in your one slot, and there might have been uh, another Mana Dork. And yeah, like some 4-drops and a couple of Baneslayer Angels at the wow. top. Baneslayer Angels might have only been in the board. But um, if, yeah, it feels
0: like a mid rangey deck, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, it it's transitioning between... Mm. It, it's an aggro mid-range hybrid. Oh yeah. That's definitely that's definitely a thing. Yeah. Uh, it seems crazy <laughs> that even the
1: name Brian Kibler is a blast from the past at this point.
2: Yeah, well, he, true. He's very uh, active in Hearthstone, yeah. is that right, at the moment? He's active on a number of things. Um, yeah, non-magic non magic things for mm. a variety of reasons, uh, <laughs> but yeah, other awesome. decks that
1: sort of disappeared, um, yeah. or I guess it, it's sort of a natural trend of a format with a points list. But blue black time vault was yeah. really good in that these used to results be
2: everywhere, yeah, yeah. Same with the Ray
1: Barker look- Mono Blue Tinker that was showing up with multiple pilots and good results. Mm-hmm. and yeah. I, I couldn't imagine trying to play Mono Blue Tinker now. Iskedoko,
2: I. <laughs> <laughs> i remember having a um big discussion with um uh, i think it would have been it was some of the melbourne players i think it would have probably been patty and jess horrig um who are like why is ancestral four when tinker is three why would you ever play ancestral instead of tinker um if you get a bonus point out of playing tinker and uh yeah <laughs> Now Tinker's two. Look and how far we've come. And <laughs> Ancestral is four, and could easily go up to five in the future. My, how things change! Uh, <laughs> yeah. There are certainly some. Because there was a lot less, uh, there was a lot less recursion you could do with Ancestral at the time, so it was, mm-hmm. I mean, it was still a good card. But at the time, Tinker uh, had a lot less predators than it does now, um, and it's the same for Time Vault. Um, time Vault. When time vault was last three, which was a few years ago now, I'll confess, um, it got a huge amount of play. There's probably a CanCon top eight you've got which has two or three time vaults in the top eight from memory. Uh, and it there was, um, should
1: be somewhere.
2: And it, it was played been like 2017 a lot in seventeen um, or twenty sixteen.
0: The thing was, yeah, time vault was played a lot outside of just a dedicated combo deck. Like you'd play it in yeah. Splinter Twin because yeah, you th- just randomly that, on right. of it. That's right.
2: There was there was a number of. Um, people in whichever CanCon I'm thinking of. Um, There's so far, one that
1: I had think, Twin Vault Moon as second place.
2: Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I, I distinctly yep. remember that deck you know, that coming would, um, in kind of 2014 and going like, I don't have a time vault. Can
2: I play Twin? Like, is this is this possible? I, I think that was um, the year that... Was that Jess Estefan playing that? Or was she... I think she was playing the same list, even if she wasn't the person who made it. Oh, that eight, was Matthew Larkin for that one.
1: That was the okay, year okay. that... um. Aiden Frisch on that Godo deck. But the CanCon specifically have some interesting sort of looking results. The um, every single deck in the top eight from CanCon 2014 is now 11 points or more on the current list. <laughs> Not even
0: including un- unprinted cards, right? Not even including your Okos and the like, but just just the cards at the time are more more uh, 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 yeah. high value. <laughs> I haven't checked the
1: dates, but 2014. Um, was one of those, I think, the one of the years that had a power spike for magic that was mm-hmm. Karns of Takiya, so you had your Delve spells and stuff.
0: It sure did. Oh, I remember that. You still oh. nowhere near as much as now. <laughs> On not, that topic. It's not 2019.
1: <laughs> um, so all these lists are just the top eights, but because of the way Moxfield yep. works, it tells you how many points the deck is worth currently, mm-hmm. which deck... Would you guess, or what year, or what event had is currently worth has a deck that is worth the most points on the current list?
0: Oh, that's a good question. (sighs) So, do you want to vote first, Vance? Otherwise, I'll vote.
2: I've I've got two options. I'll let you go first.
0: All right, I'm gonna say it was a deck, maybe like 2015-ish. Like uh, I'm thinking around like a Splinter Twin era one, where it's got. The time vault in it, which has gone to four, and then it might also have like dig and cruise and top. So I'm thinking maybe it might be a Splinter Twin deck. Is my guess, but maybe that's just my bias because I love
2: Twin. So my <laughs> guess, my my first guess is that it could be Dark Band, because mm. I know there were a number of incidental pointings that hit those. Um, my other guess is that it could easily be one of the uh, Academy combo decks. Although, now that I say that, they have lost some points on some of the. Um, Pine twists recently, so yeah, probably dark bant is my guess. Dark okay. bant
0: has lost a number of points though, with steel shaper's gift, Stoneforge no, mystic. True. Jitter went up to two and then down back to one, so maybe maybe yeah, dark Jitter's bant was never two. Was it? Oh, not not Jitter. Oh, sorry, clamp. Sorry. My bad.
1: You're both yeah. sort of close. Ooh, um Subs in and you're so sub. You're sort of in the right era because uh, it was it is um a cruise and dig deck. Yep. yeah. Uh, I guess there are two that are particularly interesting. Um no none of these decks oh sorry, the only one of these decks that's currently thirteen points was Jacob Dunn's four colour pod. Yeah.
0: Oh, and there are that's three right. higher yes. than
1: that. So there's two of three higher than that one. And so the what, number what? one was Eternal Masters twenty fourteen Bug Control by Tim Hughes is uh, fifteen points yeah. on the current list. The Kurgan. <laughs> it has what, what, what are his Sensei's point? Top, True Name yep. Nemesis, yep. Force of Will, Jace the Mind Sculptor, Ancestral Rico. Dig Through Time, Treasure Cruise, Snap Custom Age, and Mana Drain. Wow,
2: wow those cards are pretty good. Wow. <laughs> and the other one, <laughs> what a, what do you
1: a want to guess blue. what deck is currently worth 14 points?
0: 14 points? On the current list. Oh, is it, it would be a cop-out to say something like Blue Moon, where it's got basically all the same kind of blue cards. But was this a year earlier, or the same year?
1: This is not the same year. It would give oh, it away to tell you what year it is, if that's right, a hint. I see.
0: Okay, I'm going to say it might be something recent, like a 20 something that's got a whole bunch of points recently, more like th- the 2018, 2019. I think credits. you might is be not one of the Oracle lists, because
2: I think they're probably is this- only ten or eleven.
0: I'm going to. Say- I wouldn't
1: say it's not an oracle list.
2: Okay okay maybe it's an oracle list. Maybe it's an oracle <laughs> list. Maybe it's it Oracle Hulk like from CanCon 2020. Or...
0: Yeah,
1: that's it. Yes. Both of those decks from the top 8 of CanCon 2020 are now 14 points.
0: Wow. Jeez. What are the what are the what's their list because obviously we know the usual suspects but there are some other ones hidden in there, right?
1: Uh yeah. So they have a point in the sideboard now because they had sideboard Oko. Oko? Okay. Ah yeah. Uh, the old, I think the they're on the era same point. <laughs> I got them. So the points uh, I'll just go with Michael, there's these I'm pretty sure they're the same, but it's Mystic Sanctuary Wishclaw Talisman yep. Mystical Tudor, Merchant yep. Scroll Thassa's Oracle, Protein Hulk Flash, Tainted Pact and Oko
0: Yep, that
2: all checks out <laughs> It's like, yeah, they should all <laughs> yeah, be points look, <laughs> yeah. we, we did, we did to be fair go pretty hard against that deck list after CanCon because that deck was obnoxious and it wasn't I suspect the best, tu- like not to say that the those guys uh, that team hadn't done a lot of tuning on that deck, mm-hmm. um, mm, but yeah, I but, under- yeah I get what you, you mean because they also weren't playing we the
1: same packages. Yeah, Michael Leslie yeah. had a Sacred Guide Kill, where I think Isaac was more all in on um, Spellseeker Oracle Cantor.
0: Yeah, it was still yep. evolving, still evolving at the time, and and that was I I, I remember the situation of going like, is this. And if it's an emergency pointing, it it affects everyone who's been testing the last two weeks or whatever. You know, the last one week or whatever, whatever it was, right before the event. Um, and uh, as as history will dictate, the points got slammed on that Oracle very very swiftly after that event. And yeah. it was very conservative pointing as well. It was uh, this is going to two with the knowledge everyone that this that may go higher, soon. quite soon. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess that happens when a card goes from zero to three, your decklist goes up in points very fast.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah, there was that conscious um, uh, message from the committee to the rest of the players going, no points before CanCon, even though I think there was supposed to be one pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it was like, fully within, the, in the knowledge. within
0: the week, Yeah, within days of the event, and it's a bit unfair to point something before well, so... people get to
2: do their testing. <laughs> For, from memory, we had... Because, yeah, there was supposed to be a pointing four days before or something. Mm -hmm. And when when Eldrain's. Was Eldrain?
1: Yeah, Eldrain was the most recent because it had Wishclaw. And Wishclaw never survived a pointing.
2: What's the set that um, Oracle's in? Uh, Theros. Uh, Theros Beyond Death. Theros, yeah. Whatever it is. When Theros started getting spoiled, we looked at it a bit more like, ah, there's nothing in here that's too scary. But yeah, there was a few. Um, <laughs> like Breach was uh, always
0: so, so that, that the point. That is literally the saying, definition would, of 2019, right? That is, we, we nah, this seems this, fine. Uh, this is not fine.
2: <laughs> we would rather do this after CanCon than before it because we want to give everyone plenty of time to test. And everyone's like, yeah, that sounds great. And then about a week after that, they spoiled... Underworld breach and Thassa's Oracle, and we're like, it's too late to go back on what we said. But <laughs> goddamn it, that's it.
0: Yep, <laughs> that's. Uh, basically, wizards just was hold my beer every week through twenty nineteen <laughs> to twenty twenty. <laughs>
1: and yet, somehow, still, you had rug tempo versus black red go in the finals. Not to yeah. take away from the uh, the eleven points that Jazza's rug deck is now worth. <laughs> it just goes yeah. to
0: show that doesn't matter what your opponent's doing, as long as you put a Delver of Secrets out and you daze their removal spell, you can win a game. <laughs> yes, that's that's the plan. The one with so, your
1: Time Walk Ancestral, Oko and Renin 6. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's another interesting one is, um, of all the... So if you keep track of how, what the highest points total of a deck in any given top eight is, all the way from 2011 through to... Up until, but not including, Moxing Day 2017, it's 10 points or more. None of the mm-hmm. best of none of these events had a highest points total um, under 10. But mm-hmm. from Moxing Day 2017 right through until um, one of the 2019 events that wasn't Cancon, I don't remember exactly when these events uh, happened, but they were all nine or under. So the whole way through yeah. 2018, those decks are all now nine points or less.
0: I would argue that there's there's a number of factors there, and one of them is um, highlander highlander evolved the metagame especially and deck building evolved faster in the 2016 to 2020 period than it did in like the you know early 2000s through to 2016. Like it, the speed of evolution because of access to like a high, a higher amount of interconnectivity between all of the states via um social media and uh, testing teams and the like and people coming together just has pushed highlander so much faster and then couple that with the power level of printings from 2018 through to 2020 um so many factors are, are at play there that have all come together to make it more likely to see that past results are probably pointed higher <laughs> two three years on
2: yeah and it's really not, um, it really can't be understated how good it has been from, I mean, the format's point of view, my point of view, whatever, that now we've got, and and there were some of these before, like, I don't want to say that there was no one playing in Brisbane or Toowoomba or Adelaide or whatever before sort of 2017-18, but as you say, the the intercommunication has ramped up dramatically, and now we've got fairly strong playgroups in, five six seven cities in australia mm-hmm. and as i said before we're starting to get some players coming in from overseas um which really does help us to go cool so we look at this metagame and it's very on this but there's things we can learn from that but it also means that you know someone in adelaide goes oh the adelaide medal looks like x mm-hmm. but melbourne or canberra or wherever doesn't maybe i can look there and find some deck lists that might be really good against Whatever's going on locally. Um, Omnathpod coming to a (laughs) meeting. Once we go back to having, um, you know, an outside that everyone's allowed to go in and be interstate, um, and we have some big national events, quote unquote, uh, it'll be great because there'll be all, I mean, A, there'll be a heap of people who've met each other in. The Discord will be like, Oh, uh, that's what a Ben looks like. Okay, cool. Now I can slot that away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and you'll be able to get together and test. And uh, I think that first big event, whenever it happens, will be, or the first couple of big events next year, will be really great. Oh, yeah.
1: Can Absolutely. revel in the awkwardness of only knowing each other's Discord names and not actual names. <laughs> yeah,
2: trying to place people. <laughs> I was actually thinking at that oh, maybe we should just get people to do like you know a name tag with That's their a name good idea. and their Discord name. Yeah, just so that we can actually learn
0: everyone's names when it comes to face to face. Otherwise, the um you know as we're talking about interconnectivity and and hubs and. Uh, uh, community and, and team testing the uh, the online events, these webcam events have uh, yeah, kind of filled yeah. that role of pushing evolution of metagames uh, in a really really interesting directions and bringing people together but likewise we probably only ever know each other's hands, right? you can recognise people we're going to start to recognise each other by our hands our deck mannerisms, the way we shuffle because <laughs> no, that's all you can see yeah the playmats yeah. for sure the playmat play play yeah mat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Awesome. Well, it looks like we are coming to the end of our discussions. This has been very, very enlightening. I think the last point um, that I might uh, ask you about, Ben, before we we sign off, is um, which of which decks did you notice had the most recorded results? You know, which ones seem to be like the king, the king hitters, the big, the big players over the years in mm, total. So that would
1: mostly be the ones that have been. Like the ones that existed back then and still exist now. Ah, I see. Uh, so as far as what I have recorded in the document so far goes, um, so there's I have two that have got both been recorded as 18 times, to 17 I'm, I'm, times.
0: Can we guess? Should we guess this one? By all best? means, because I haven't seen the document, but I'm gonna I'm gonna assume blue moons there somewhere because that's been. That I mean it's had the access to the tools for basically ever, since the dark and since whatever yeah. that one the magic cycle was in. So I'm gonna I'm gonna vote Blue Moon somewhere there. Maybe not the best one, but somewhere.
1: Blue Moon is tied so, for first? Tied for first. Ooh. Is nice. Dark Bant the other one? Dark Bant is not the other one.
0: Oh, is
1: Kess the other one?
0: Kess is the other one. <laughs> wow. Oh that's crazy. So so, so was there was like-, like obviously a Grixis control. Um, pre that because I know Aiden Frisch oh, have been no. playing so I haven't probably. counted
1: that so oh that's
0: even different as well wow so that,
1: there was that many Kesses in 2018 <laughs> oh that's so good <laughs> yeah
2: well I mean just at that GP Melbourne event which was uh, 98 players or whatever there was what 5 in the top 8 4 oh, in the top nine, I think there was yeah.
1: 4 yeah yeah uh, CanCon 2018 there was 3 Eternal Masters 2018 there was 3 and a KESS pod Which I haven't counted for this number because it's a distinctly different deck, but there was a lot of decks with "Kess" in the name. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. As well, I
2: mean, well, the one thing to consider with that, like when you're looking at the cancon where there was three in the top eight, from memory, there was also approximately one in three in the room, or like one in five in the room were on it. Uh, So, and yeah, one in the top four, but it didn't do drastically above expectation.
1: It's one of those well, the reason there was good one to, to keep in, in mind, four, I guess.
2: It <laughs> is uh, at Cancons, um, where Highlander Nationals is played. Uh, so far, there have been zero winners from Melbourne. Um,
1: Our day will come. I, th-
2: I, you know, <laughs> I guess we'll see. Um, I think there's been one Melbourne person who made the finals. It might have been two. Um, but yeah, I mean, it being local in Canberra obviously helps a lot. Uh, for the Canberrans on that stat. Because um, there's a lot more of us in the room.
1: <laughs> Very true. And so there, there was two that were tied for 17 appearances each. Which are yep. more um, more weighted towards the uh, older years than Kespire was. Is one of them Zoo? Okay. One of them is Zoo.
0: Ah, nice. nice. That, Vance, you'd be happy with that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd be happier if it was not Carl's list, but you know, I'll take what I can get. <laughs> There's a Savvy. few uh, interesting. What's, what's ones. The other one, what's the other 17? The other
1: one. Either of you reckon which deck would have seventeen appearances over the last ten years on this well, document over so far?
0: Ten years. It is elves. Ah, elves. Yeah, nice
1: one. Yeah. Nice one. Elves appeared to have one of those uh, periods of dominance, like mm-hmm. um, zoo. Although I certainly wasn't playing at the time. What was this playing in 2016 like?
2: Well, I, I definitely Elvis remember. Had a period where, mm-hmm. um, so you were saying before that, you know, there were some names you recognised and you saw a lot, um, one mm-hmm. of which was uh, Lachlan Wardsmith. Um, I think what you're going to find is that 2016 was just a period where Wardsmith turned up to a lot of events. <laughs> um, <laughs> because the correlation between him, be, you know, he, he's got a bunch of other things going on, um, as many of us do and can't always afford to spend the time and or money to travel to these things. Uh, but the correlation between Wardsmith being in the event and Wardsmith winning the event is not low.
1: <laughs> the but, other one was Tim Hughes, 2016. Yeah, got Tim Hughes yeah, on yeah. elves, which is a name that yeah. showed up a bunch, just like the other ones, uh, but on a, yeah, a, a and, variety of decks.
2: And you'll see um, in... There'll be top eights uh, from elves from a number of other people. Like, I know uh, Hannah O'Neill has at least once, I think twice... Um,
1: Jazzer in 2017.
2: Yeah, Jazzer in 2017, um, uh, and possibly some of the. Um, I've got anyone, yeah, like, anyone, like anyone a bunch of people. From, a couple of Brisbane and Adelaide people on there.
1: Yeah, there's a uh, two uh, from Sago in Brisbane. yeah uh, Or Toowoomba. I always get confused who lives where. Uh,
2: yeah. But yeah, yeah the majority really, are from Ward really and Tim in Hughes. Queensland. Look. You're doing better than me, uh, as long-time listeners of the podcast will know. It took me a long time before I was willing to say Toowoomba. I would just say like Tamworth or you know something. Um, and I mean, this it, is it just it,
0: kept escaping my brain. It's appropriate to mention to all of those other communities, like Tamworth et Al, uh, <laughs> but uh, all, all the other all the other communities is that you you hear a lot of these names and that and. A lot of these names are very, very uh, Melbourne, Canberra dominant, and that's just because of the longevity of the format in those yeah. particular areas. Um, there, there are other areas like you know Toowoomba and Adelaide and Perth and you know all, Sydney, all all over the place. There are Highlander hubs that are growing, and they only really started growing in that. 2016 2017 period and then started spiking in 2020 like you look yeah. at the size of the events going in Perth and um Perth, Perth and Toowoomba yeah it's in, in it's insane like Adelaide was the biggest growing one in 2017 and we're like yeah we're the young and up-and-comers and then suddenly just absolutely outdoing us in their you know first ever events in Perth from first ever event to 25 person event like that the the time difference between the two was insanely fast just their their hub is growing like crazy and and same as Toowoomba and the like so if you don't hear names of people in your local meta um, this is not some kind of you know effort to prioritize other areas it's just that this is history of Highlander we're just talking a lot about these kind of um, you know uh, results from the past. I guarantee you, in five years from now, we do another revisit and we look at the history of Highlander over five years. You'll start seeing names in your local areas popping up too. Oh, for sure.
1: I think oh, Perth have got sure. some big names showing up as um, you know, top twoing, top fouring week after week mm, after week. Some so contenders we some, and you go, yep. Mm, once some GP-sized
0: melbangers on look,
2: whatever that deck is, and Perth obviously. Um, in terms of the events that are being put in this, which are just the ones where there's some interstate people. So we know it's not all, you know, one local meta. Um, Perth has some drawbacks that it is uh, quite some distance away. (laughs) Um, I mean, much like Adelaide, like the reason that there's not very many Adelaide people in the GP top eights and whatever is Mm -hmm. that until the last couple of years where... um, the Adelaide Eternal team have been going to play on all the legacy events and Mm -hmm. events and whatever Um, I'm imagining that for a lot of people it just wasn't high EV to travel to a GP and not mostly play in the main event
0: (laughs) yeah that's it and same with like travelling to Canberra for CanCon Uh, the, the flights between Adelaide and Canberra are just punishing really oh, really sure expensive are. yeah sure yeah when you look at like canberra to melbourne it's it's still reasonable uh, maybe it's more frequent to travel between those two but you know obviously sucks to be those who are in finland and america you know we're <laughs> saying oh these these are really punishing flights you know sorry sorry to you guys that can't uh, make it but at least you can make it via our various webcam events uh, run by all the different communities out there um So yeah, we we really look forward to uh, seeing how this metagame evolves and uh, it's brought us to the end of the episode. I just wanted to thank uh, Ben, obviously, for doing and just absolutely stellar effort of collating this information tracking it down you are a detective and you know private investigator of highlander and your work (laughs) is has not gone unrecognized really 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 good um we'll find a way to uh link that to you to people listening via the podcast and via 7ph.com.au um the this is obviously a collation of information from you know interstate interaction events. Uh, but when it comes to your local events, remember that you can submit your event results at uh, 7ph.com.au. It just involves putting your eight uh, Moxfield links from your top eight in there. And then at least that means that uh, you know if Ben wants to go and revisit some of those things from local events or explore other data, at least that data is just there. We don't want it to go missing because once one week goes past, someone who came seventh in your event is not going to remember what they sleeved up. <laughs> so get it from them straight away and submit an event result. Yeah. Um, so remember that if you do want to follow uh, the podcast, you can follow it on Twitter at Highlandercast. cast. Um, you can also pop any questions or feedback there. And you can also follow Vance who's at Vanceian notions on Twitter. And uh, Ben, are you on Twitter or where can people reach you? i
1: um, not on Twitter. Um, if people have Discord, I'm always uh, around on here. Um, if not, uh, you can reach out to me via the Facebook. Um, I'd love to hear from anyone who um, uh, who might be listening, who finds the document, checks it out, and goes, oh, I actually, I, I have, I know who is in the top eight of this event that isn't on here, or I know anything about where I could go and find some of these things through the Wayback Machine. Uh, that'd be fantastic. A uh, big thanks is- to Graham and Shane for... Uh, there were the two who helped me with some of the results I couldn't find.
0: Awesome. That is fantastic. And people can find you under your handle Vale?
1: Uh, yeah. So I'm on uh, Discord as Veil vale with some numbers um, and just on Facebook uh, via, as Ben Newman, I suppose.
0: <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, and that's vale, not Veil vale of Summer. It's V-A-L-E. No,
1: Vale like <laughs> the tabernacle of Pendrel.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hendrill Vale, that's, that's the one. Um, so you can support the the Highlander cast at our Patreon. So if you want to do one something like sign up as a one-point subscriber, then it basically pops in a dollar into our kitty every time an episode comes out. Uh, and we use that to make the podcast better and also to support the Highlander community and other developments as well. Um, you can get more involved in the Seven Point Highlander community by checking out the official website at uh, 7ph.com.au or you can just... Pretty much search 7 Point Highlander on Facebook or even in Google and pretty much all of these links come up pretty quick smart. Uh, same with Discord. So check out the show notes for any of the links that you're interested in. Uh, once again, thank you very much to uh, my co-host Vance and to our very, very special guest, Ben Newman. Thanks for listening. I've actually just got one tiny anecdote before we sign off. Oh, great. This will be at the end, right? Where there's, yeah. You know those ones where the, it, the sign-off happens and then... So I've recently been thinking about buying a new
2: car and then suddenly it's, uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> on so, side, some magic-related um, aside. I was talking with uh, people on the Discord about what, what's the points we'd done and there was a document that had been being updated, but uh, Sav and I are not the most organised people in the world when it comes to this. Anyway, uh, Graham uh, has been going through um, and updating. He's updated all the uh, 2019 ones, uh, so thanks for that. But uh, his comment is, so the episodes with Millie are really good at starting off with "What's the point?" at almost exactly the 30-second mark. The Spartan <laughs> fans episodes take a lot longer, uh, and uh, that checks out. So yeah, that's Millie. We Glad like
1: we've continued the Pratt tradition of starting at halfway through. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've we've appropriately hazed you, Ben. <laughs> the <Let's> uh, <time. laughs>